Let's just open up. I know that, that you pray, but let's just pray over the word tonight as we get ready to dig into the word. Father, I thank you for lead night. I thank you, Father, that you are creating leaders here. Lord, that you're you're making them leaders of their home, leaders of, of their marriages, over their children, over their families, over their businesses, their workplaces, in the church. I thank you, Father, even in their finances. Lord, that you're creating men and women that take leadership position, Father, that they shine for you, that others will be able to follow their position and follow them because of what you're pouring into them and how you're transforming their life. So we pray, Father, for promotion. We pray for bonuses. We pray for open doors. We pray, Father, that you set people in behind them to follow their example. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their life, and we pray that it multiplies in great number in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, our Wednesday night, we've been focusing this year on lead, which is uh, leadership, just like I prayed, in the home, in our finances, in our families, in our workplaces, businesses, whatever area that we have our hand to in our life, that, that we're to be a leader, that we're to shine. God's word says that we're supposed to shine brighter and brighter until that day comes, until that day approaches, meaning the day of Jesus Christ. So as we are leaders in our position and every every form, shape, and fashion in our life. We're to be that so that others can see the example that's set before them. So we're going to get started this morning. And again, if you uh, haven't signed up for LEAD yet, and you want to participate in that in the church and be uh, take part of, of leadership in the church, then see me so you can fill out one of those papers and uh, we'll get you started because that's part of our vision this year is 25 leadership people in the church. Hallelujah. We're, we're well on, the, on to uh, fulfilling that already. Uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. And I'm going to go through a few verses tonight. Last week we talked about live uh, live with your heart, leading uh, in, in every area of our life with our heart. Heart first. Live heart first. Uh, pouring our heart into things. Uh, not doing things out of just obligation or out of uh, just, uh, well, I have to do this. But because we love the Lord and what he's done for us, then we live heart first. And it's part of the, the kingdom culture that gets established in our church here. It's part of who we are as as members of this church, living heart first. We we come at things with love. We come at things with the grace of God and the love and the passion of God. Well, tonight I'm going to talk about growing uh, in maturity, in spiritual maturity. Um, you know, we naturally grow up physically. Nobody has to really help us uh, do that other than, you know, learning things in life. But, but I mean, we naturally grow up. Our bodies change. We, we come out as babies and we grow up in the natural. Uh, but there's a growing in the spiritual that most people don't pay a whole lot of attention to. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is growing in maturity. And if you're in Galatians... I want to read out of, uh, let's start at chapter 3, but let's uh, go to verse 26, and I'm going to read through a little bit in chapter 4. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to break there at the chapter break, because remember, this is, this was a letter written by Paul. He didn't put chapters in there. That was broken up later by, by men. So he was just writing a letter. But it says, 
You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, I guess I am going to stop there for a second because there, I just want to make the point, just because there's all of this going on right now in the nation, you know, when you're outside of Christ, then you focus on things like the color of skin and, you know, where you are on the social economic status and, and you know, where you grew up and, and culture and things like that. But we don't belong to this world. We're aliens of this world. We're only here for a, a certain amount of time, but we're part of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. So it says there is no such thing as male or female, Greek or Jew, or any other kind of race. We are all God's children if we're found in Jesus Christ. We don't pay attention to color of skin. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? That's why we don't focus on that. We celebrate uh, different different uh, nationalities, different cultures, and, and different ways of life as long as it's as long as it's under the word of God. But the thing is, as for color and skin, you know what? It, it's God created us just having a lighter shade to a darker shade. There is no, you know, when you think about white, there is no white person. Really, there is no white person. If you would hold a white piece of paper up to me, I'm not even completely white. You know, it's just a lighter shade of brown. That's all it is. We are all a shade of brown. And it just has to do with different pigmentation in the skin. But, but we, uh, we are not uh, of different uh, races, different colors. We are all sons and daughters of the Most High God. <clears throat> just wanted to throw that in there because of the way the world is right now, we don't, we don't live the world's way. We live God's way. Amen. Amen. So, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time is set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of this world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive full rights of sons. Now, what I want to focus on here is it's saying, until the child comes fully of age, then he is no different than the slave. So the master can have a son in the home, and he can have a slave in the home, and the child is no different than the slave in the sense of, of mastering or telling anybody what to do or taking uh, the property and doing whatever he wishes with it because he doesn't have any, any authority yet. And the thing is, if we don't grow in our spiritual walk with God, then we don't have the authority that we're supposed to have. Yeah. Things are supposed to, as we read the Word of God, as we are transformed by the Word of God, then we begin to change our status of authority. It's not that it's not there. It's like it says here, that he is an heir, even though everything is accessible to him, but if he's still in bondage to the old way of thinking, he's not going to be able to rule and reign with the authority that's been given to him. So God says that we're to what? 
renew our mind. Because it, when, we're, uh, when we're born again, it's our spirit that's born again, not our soul. What is the difference? The spirit man is what is completely renewed, a new creature in Christ. That is the spirit. The spirit becomes a new creature in Christ. It's reconnected back with God the Father. It's reconciled back to God the Father, our creator. But our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Well, that has been uh, subject to the ways of the world. That's been subject to our family. That's been subject to our experiences. That's been subject to our friendships, to our family, to uh, situations in life. So our soul is actually formed and, and um, transformed by situations through life. That's why God says you have to renew your soul. You have to wash it with the water of the word. Because if you don't, then you'll still have the old way of thinking, but you'll have a new spirit. You see? So that's why you can be rebirthed in the spirit, but still not think the right way. And that's what happens whenever we get saved. We're saved in the spirit, but we're still thinking in old ways, in old manners. We can maybe even feel a difference, like something, it just feels like, you know, a burden came off of me when I got saved. Or maybe I didn't really feel anything at all. I don't feel different. Some people say that, yes, they feel lighter. And then I've heard other people say, I didn't feel anything, so am I really saved? Yes, it's a faith thing. You're believing in faith in what Jesus Christ did. It's not based upon a feeling. Your spirit is reborn, but your mind didn't change. So that's why we have to renew our mind. We renew our spirit. Or sorry, not our spirit. We renew our mind. Our spirit is rebirthed. Now flip over one book to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Verse 11. It says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare, sorry, yes, that's correct, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become Mature, say mature. mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, it depends upon our maturity on whether or not we, we come into the full measure of Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ did, he wants us to do. But it's dependent upon our maturity. And now I'm not saying that, that you have to... Um, you have to be perfect and you have to be a Christian for 25 years before things like the gift of, gifts of the Spirit come upon you. That's not what I'm saying. Those operate by faith. You can be the most immature person and operate in the gifts of the Spirit because that's what was going on in 1 Corinthians. They were, there was a lot of sin going on in that church, but they were operating in the gifts because they had the faith to do it. But the thing is, what, what is, uh, Paul is saying here, he said... Until the full, the, the full measure of Christ, the, everything that Christ did and understood and his wisdom and how he operated and the things that came out of his mouth and the knowledge and every aspect of his ministry, that won't happen if we do not come into 
into the, the full maturity of Christ. So we're to become mature. Why? Because it says in verse, verse 14, we, then we will no longer be tossed like, sorry, let me back up. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So it says we'll no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves when, if we come into maturity. If we're still an infant, then what? We're, we're, we, can, we can be tossed to and fro. We can be going back and forth. We can be here one minute and then someone teaches something here and then we're following that because we don't know the difference. And we can get off on wrong things and wrong thinking and wrong understanding if we're infants because we don't know. So God wants us to be taught. He wants us to, to hear the word of God, renew our minds so that we won't be tossed to and fro on the waves of teaching. And it said, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I'm going to stop there. But it would be good to go to read that after tonight. After you've heard the full message, it would be good for you to read the rest of Ephesians, and it would be good for you to read uh, Galatians as well, because it's going to make a lot more sense to you in, in the context of what I'm teaching tonight. So that would be a good study for you over the, over the next week. But I'm going to stop there tonight. Um, people, can, people can have a lot of head knowledge, but they can still be babies spiritually. They can repeat scriptures. They can tell you Bible stories. They can, they can say things from the word of God. They can repeat all kinds of things of knowledge. But if they do not have understanding and they do not have wisdom around it, then they do not understand how to apply it in their life. So the, just because someone is speaking the right way doesn't mean that they, they have grown into maturity necessarily. Because your life shows maturity. Your life and, and how you conduct yourself, that's what shows whether or not you're mature in Christ. Whether or not you're understanding the word of God and how to use it. And you're going to hear me say tonight the word discernment a lot. Because a lot of this has to do with discernment. Discerning the word of God. And if you'll turn over to Hebrews... I may say uh, Hebrews for just a little bit later. But go ahead and turn there and just let me talk to you for a few minutes. Um, when you think about the stages of a child, the, the ch a, a child starts out as a baby, as an infant, right? They, they come into this world, they can't do anything on their own. And if you think about it, it's the same way with our spiritual Christian walk. We, we are just coming in. We may be uh, 30 years old, 
But it doesn't mean that we understand things spiritually. And so that's what we've got to understand. Like when, when we've been a Christian, we take one of two stances. Either we need to help other people and help them grow into maturity, or we also need to remember that there's always a journey that we're on. Always a spiritual journey. We never stop learning. So we should never get to a place where, where we're like, well, I already know. I already, I already get it. I already know it all. You know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and, and you know, this message is the same thing I've heard. So there, there's always an understanding of I need to help others, but then I also, it's just like what I taught the other day, you know, you should always have someone that you're helping under you, discipling them, but also having people above you and then having people alongside you to sharpen you. But as an infant, let's go through some stages that like an infant and a child and then a teenager would go through. Let's start with the infant. Infants, what do they do so often? They do cry. You're right. <laughs> they do cry. They can oftentimes be uh, very, very irritable with um, anything that's not making them comfortable at the time. Right? Dirty diaper. That's right. The temperature. I'm hot. I'm cold. I want these clothes off of me or I want something on me. Uh, whatever it is. They're, they're irritable uh, sometimes depending on the situation. They're, they're wanting comfort. And many times we got to realize that in the beginning of, of a spiritual walk in, in Christianity, a new Christian, many times they can be very affected by the comfort level. They're thinking carnally. They're not thinking in the sense of, of spiritualness. They're not thinking at a spiritual level. They're thinking uh, carnally. So we have to remember that many times. And then sometimes if, if that's ourselves and, and we're getting agitated over a carnal issue, we need to stop and think, um, is this really what I should be focusing on right now? But the second thing that a, a, an infant does a lot, they put everything in their mouth. <laughs> Everything, you know, which they can put a Cheerio in their mouth, which is fine, but then they can also be crawling alone and find a dead spider and put it in their mouth. You know, I mean, it's like, it could be totally disgusting, but they'll put it in their mouth. Anything that, that's on the floor, they, they want to put it in their mouth. Well, that's also, it also happens in the spiritual walk. People will many times in the beginning, they're hungry, which is good because they're, they're sponges many times. They want the word of God. But if they get around the wrong thing, they could be focusing on something that's not good. Yeah, yeah. They could be feeding themselves wrong doctrine. They could get around people that look Christian, but they may be focusing on the wrong thing. They may be focusing on a lot of hype, but they're not getting any word in them. You understand? Like they could be like, yes, hallelujah, and amen, and all over the place, and jumping up and down, but they're not getting any word. Yeah. And so there's no foundation. Or they're, uh, maybe someone is teaching them wrong and they're digesting it all because that's what they're taking in. Or they're reading a lot of spiritual books and they think that this is God. Uh, you know, New Age is a good example. People can get into New Age, New Age stuff and think that that's God's stuff because they're sensing spiritual things, but it's not necessarily God. And so we have to be very careful what, what we're taking in or if we're discipling someone, what they're taking in. And it is if you're discipling someone, it's okay to let them know. Let them know and look. 
That you're helping to guide them. You know, making sure that they stay on track. That, that you're warning them of certain things. If you were here when I taught on the sheep, and I said that many times sheep will drink it out of muddy, stagnant water when they're thirsty, and they'll just drink it because it's there. But it doesn't mean that it's not good for them, and they'll drink in parasites and everything else. Uh, you know, and it, and it ends up becoming a, something that makes them sick. So we've gotta, we've gotta pay attention to what we're eating. Another thing, uh, babies can, and toddlers can get very easily distracted. It's, in childcare, that's awesome because you can distract them off of something you don't want them to do. And, and if you make this look exciting enough, then they'll come over and quit doing that. So it's a great tactic in that sense, but it's not whenever it's something you don't want them to do or it's not a good uh, distraction because then they can be like, oh, what's this over here? And they should be focusing over there, you know? So distraction, that's why when, if, and, and I'm speaking to you as leaders now, as a leader, that's why I'm always asking you, during altar call, during church time, do your best to, especially at altar time, if you want to flip that so that it's out, you can because it keeps, it keeps distracting. <laughs> but if you're, um, I don't know if you're tall enough, Brad, sorry. It might take Kalai. That light, Kalai, it just keeps flickering over, over top of them. But a distraction many times, just like that, I mean, it can be the smallest little thing, but it, 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 all of a sudden you're, you're looking at this and you're not hearing a word that's being said. And that's why I say many times, during altar time, during altar calls, during salvation altar calls, Keep your butt in the seat. Why? Because you could be the reason that someone doesn't answer the altar call. If you're up running around and they're going, oh, where are they going? Oh, the bathroom. Yeah. They completely just got pulled out of the Holy Spirit touching them and, and moving in their life. And they were supposed to answer that call, but now all of a sudden they got in the, in the, in the flesh. So that's why I say, like, don't move around during altar calls. And of course, I'm telling you this because you guys are here all the time. You know, you know, you're leaders. So it's a good reminder to hit those things so that you know. But distractions can, can keep people from doing what they're supposed to be doing in the Lord. You know, God could be telling you to do something, but boom, you get a phone call. Oh, yeah, 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 let's go do this. And all of a sudden, you got distracted, and off you go, and you didn't do what the Lord told you to do. So distractions can be things that, that are ways that the enemy can just, like, pull us right off track and pull us off of what God has told us to do. Uh, let's, that, those were kind of uh, babies. Well, let me go through this, too. Babies are also ignorant of things that can hurt them, situations that can hurt them, people that can hurt them, that, you know, if you've ever met the babies that will just go with anybody, it doesn't matter who it is, <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, I'll go, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, or a situation, uh, you know, touching electrical outlets, uh, hot stoves, campfires, uh, you know, anything like that. They're, they don't know what's going to be harmful to them and, and what's not. So they can be very, very easily led astray. 
Um, even things on the good end, like veggies, you know, they don't know that, that broccoli is good for them. They'd rather have the ice cream, right? I mean, give them a choice. You want broccoli or you want ice cream? Most of the time, they're going to choose an ice cream. They want the ice cream. But if they make a diet out of ice cream, that's not going to be good for their health, right? So it's like trusting in the parent to give them the right thing and to keep them on course. So that's why uh, having that direction in our life, that authority, that headship in our life, to lead and guide into the right things. And even as many of you are going to be life, life group leaders, that's, that's what you're there for. You're also to help guide. You're to help give instruction and teach these same things. Okay, what about children? Children are emotionally driven. <laughs> Everything's based on their emotions. Whatever they feel, you know, that's what they're going to do. They're not going to be like, oh, you know what? I need to get up at, at 6 o'clock because that's what's good for me today. Um, I need to sit down and eat these peas because, you know, it's what's nutritionally uh, valuable in my body right now. They, they don't want to do anything they don't feel like doing. If it's not fun, if it's not enjoyable, or if it's causing them any kind of displeasure, you know, uh, if another child took a toy and they were playing with that toy, well, guess what? They're emotionally driven. They throw a fit, or they go and hit the other kid, you know? So they're emotionally driven. Well, what's that look like in the spiritual realm? What does that look like in a, in a spiritual Christian? Well, if they don't get their way <laughs> in something, then all of a sudden they could be upset and copying an attitude because they didn't get their way with something. You know, they're overly sensitive or they're overly uh, whatever they're feeling like, then that's just how they respond. And, and you can see it, you know, or they'll make it very known that they're not happy right now. Or they'll leave, you know. So that's what happens uh, many times with children. They will, everything's run by their feelings. Their feelings determine their actions, and they don't think about the consequences of what's ahead from that. Um, also, they're not dependable. How many of you have had a, a kid where you were a child yourself and your mom told you to go clean your room, or your mom told you to mow the lawn, or your mom told you to do something, and, and you went up to your room, you started cleaning, and then you found a brand new toy under the bed that you hadn't played with for six months. And, and you're like, oh man, I've missed that thing. And so you sit down and your mom comes up, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're busy playing with the toy that was there hidden under your bed for six months. You didn't get anything cleaned up. You know, children are, you have to stay on them. <laughs> it's like they have to be told what to do all the time. And it's like, you know, you have to tell them to follow through. You have to tell them to complete the job. Well, even spiritually, you know, it, it's like if God's pressing on us to do something or from his word, he tells us to do something. Or if we hear a preaching and we know that God's telling us, you need to be more diligent with this. You need to complete this. You need to follow through with this. And we don't do that. Well, then guess what? That's the same type of thing. It's like not being dependable with what God tells us to do. Uh, another thing, children always blame somebody else. <laughs> I was watching this video the other day, and I was starting to wonder. Sorry, I was starting to wonder if this kid had a had had uh, an evil spirit, because <laughs> this kid was like playing with Barbies, and and the dad comes in and is like, 
Why did you do this? There was, there was fingernail polish all over the Barbie. The hair was cut. I mean, it looked horrible. There's fingernail polish everywhere. And, and the three-year-old goes, it's not my fault. She told me to do it. And she's pointing to the Barbies. She told me to do it. All of them told me they wanted me to do this. They wanted me to paint them. They wanted me to, they told me to cut their hair. I mean, she was like adamant. Like the Barbie told me to do it. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh dear. <laughs> but the thing is, we, we, we can't blame others for things that we have done or run away from a problem or, uh, you know, um, cover it up with some sort of an excuse. And so, but that's what children do. Children will uh, try to cover things up. Um, <laughs> Zephan, Zephan, I'm gonna tell on you because I know you won't care. We were, we were, when we were in Hana, we, um, <laughs> we were, we had a rental house and uh, Zephan at one point decided that it was gonna be a, a great thing to carve in the wood floor and and then he hid it the whole time we were there he because the bed was over top of it so I didn't know until we started packing up to come back home and and then I'm like oh my lands because I know what it's like to have a home because we were homeowners so I take that stuff seriously like taking care of other people's homes I was like oh my goodness he literally carved in the wood floor but he carved Jesus <laughs> the bad witness type of thing. <laughs> it was like Jesus carved in the floor. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, taking responsibility for our actions. But you did. You did. <laughs> you did. You owned up to it. But not blaming others. Um, children also are talkative. They're talkative, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, but, um, you know, when they, they hit that stage of why, why, but why, <laughs> and they want to know why on everything, or uh, they don't know when to stop. I remember one time when I was little, and I had, I had found a picture of my uncle, and I'm like, who's that? He's ugly. Well, he was right there, because I had no idea it was him. <laughs> it's like, uh, that was me 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. It's like learning to hold your tongue and not realizing like when to when to stop. Well, many times that's what happens uh, when we're you know children or we have a child like mine. We will run off of the mouth and say whatever comes to our head without filtering anything. And part of that is maturity. You know the Bible says that we're not to have evil speech. What's evil speech? It's talking about other people. It's uh, saying anything that's not in line with the word of God. You know, we oftentimes will think, well, you know, I don't speak wicked. I don't speak evil. Uh, but the thing is, wicked means anything that's not in line with God's word. Yeah. Anything that's out of line, he considers wicked. So even uh, if we're, if he says in, in his word that, that we're the righteousness of Christ, if we walk away and say, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, you know, and we're speaking evil things or we're speaking wrong things, that's considered evil speech. That's wicked speech. So anytime we're talking about other people and slandering other people, that's not good. That's evil. Uh, vain speech. 
um, you know, speaking in, in, a, in a way that's all about ourselves. We're trying to put ourselves out there. Well, I've done this, and I've done that, and, and I've done this, and this is all about me. And, and we have a hard time looking at other people. That's vain speech. It's all about us. You know, we're trying to get people to look at us, our, the attention on us. And then there's foolish speech. The Bible also talks about foolish speech. And foolish speech is speech that it's, it's lost, it's become dull. It's lost its sharpness. What that means is I was once on fire and I once was driven by spiritual things and I, it's like losing your saltiness, losing your desire for the things of God. And you just start talking about things that don't matter. You're just like... You know, think about it. When we when we congregate together, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to have speech that is salty, meaning that we draw people in by the the speech that we have. So if if we're just talking, uh, and this one really hit me today, because how many times do we do we try to bring things on a level that that is just normal for everybody else, but we're not challenging them spiritually. You know, we're not we're not drawing them in spiritually because we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. But the thing is, the Holy Spirit, and it's not about trying to make somebody feel uncomfortable, but it is about trying to make them focus on their spiritual walk. Where are you at spiritually right now? Where where's your life spiritually? Are you focused on on eternity? You know, what's going on in your life right now? How are you doing spiritually? Can I pray with you? You know, things that are going to make people think and put them in the mind of spiritual things because they live all day long thinking about the carnal. They live all day long thinking about things that don't matter. And in eternity, you know, so foolish speech. Proverbs 13, 3 says, He who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly comes to ruin. The last one, and this is what focuses on teenagers. Teenagers tend to, once they grow up so, so uh, much, then they start hitting this independent stage, which is fine because that's what they're supposed to be. You know, they're supposed to come into independence and supposed to be starting to do things themselves. So that's great. But if they get to a point where they're rebelling because they don't, they're shrugging off uh, authority, then that's not good. Because now it's like they, they've hit a point where, where they're, well, I can do it myself. I'm, I'm, I'll do it on my own. I don't need your help. I don't need your wisdom. I don't need your thoughts. I don't need uh, any counsel from you, mom and dad, or teachers, or anybody over me. I'm going to do it my way. And that's a, a bad place to be spiritually as well. Because if you take on a spirit of rebellion, then you're not going to have your ear inclined to the things of God. Because you won't take any correction. And in fact, Proverbs 29, 18 says, A person that has no revelation or no vision, or another, another version says, A person that will not accept guidance is a person that will cast off restraint. 
They'll cast off restraint. What does that mean? They won't follow the laws of God. They cast off anything that's restraining them because they don't want any boundaries. They don't want any laws. They don't want anything holding them into an area. They want to be able to run as free as what they want to without anything holding them back. They don't want a person holding them back. They don't want, and what it means when it says a person without vision, the vision of God, the laws of God is what keeps us in a certain area, and that's what keeps us safe. That's a, it's a safety thing. God keeps us safe. You know, it's like an electric fence around a garden. That keeps the plants safe. It's not a bad thing. Fences, many times people think boundaries are bad things. Boundaries are not bad things. It keep, a boundary in a marriage protects the marriage. A boundary with children protects the children. A boundary in your life protects your life and actually gives you a place of safety. A boundary around the garden keeps the predators out and keeps the vegetables safe. So in our life, we, we need to respect and understand that that's what the Word of God is there to do. And if we come into a a place in our spiritual walk where we're shrugging that off, then that's dangerous because we're not listening to either the word of God or the authority uh, that people have, that God's placed in our life and we become uncoachable at that point. So let's, let's uh, look for a second what the word of God says. You should be at Hebrews because I give you about 25 minutes to turn there. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5 and I actually read this the other day um, Sunday night I believe <clears throat> verse 11 it says we have much to say about this but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn in fact Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Another version, or you could word it, uh, anyone who lives on milk is still an infant. They are unskillful or inexperienced with the word of God. Inexperienced with the word of God. So when you take that, let me just finish the verse. It says, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So here we start getting into the idea of discernment. Discernment, just like the, the child that will pick up anything and eat it, whether it's good or bad. Discernment is so important in your walk with God. In fact, the Bible says in, in 1 John that the Holy Spirit uh, is our teacher, is our guide, and he will teach us the things of the Word of God. It's, in fact, the reason uh, John was saying that was because there were some false teachers that had come in and some people with uh, an antichrist spirit that had come into the church and were trying to lead them off into another direction. And John was saying, he said, you don't need to have them as teachers. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Now, that's not disregarding teachers because Paul says, we just read a little bit ago, that it's important to have apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. That those are there to equip us and to train us into maturity. So you can't just take, and that's my whole point with discernment. 
is you can't take one scripture and build something around it and disregard the other scriptures. Amen. And so many people do that. This is part of the maturing process. How to discern scriptures. How to take the scripture and know that you can't build a theology around one scripture. In fact, the word of God says that, that everything should be should have two or three witnesses around it. So there should be two or three. In fact, that was part of the Old Testament law. That you couldn't bring someone to be stoned unless there was more than one witness. So everything had to be established by two or three witnesses. God's not going to go against his word. So in his word, there has to be at least two scriptures backing something up to show you what it's meaning. And most of the time, there's way more than two. Yeah. So in the word, it's important if you're going to study something out, study it out in its fullness. Don't just take one scripture and build a theology around it. It's like women preachers. Many people build a whole theology around it's wrong to have women preachers. But if you study the scripture out, there's plenty of scriptures that show women in authority in the church, women that have position in the church. So if you actually read it in its full context and take more than just one scripture, then you're going to have more revelation in that subject. So part of growing up spiritually is being able to take the word of God, study it out. Don't just hear the first thing that someone says and then just go down the bunny trail with them without taking the, the word of God and say, let me look at this. Let me study this out. Let me see, is this true or not? Because that's why it's saying an infant will be tossed to and fro depending on where the wave is going. But someone who's solid and mature, and it says here that they're not, if it's an infant, they're not acquainted with the teaching of righteousness or they're inexperienced with the word of God. That's, that, those are people that are very easily tossed to and fro. It's, it's just like this whole thing with COVID-19. <clears throat> right from the very beginning. I mean, we, we have preached uh, Jesus Christ is our health. He is our healer. He is the one that protects us. We've not changed our stance one time through, through all of this. There's all kinds of media coming out saying wear a mask, wear this, do that, vaccinate. The mask has never been my healer. Even though the world runs around and says the mask is now my healer. And then they say, oh, the mask holds bacteria. The mask is back. And then all of a sudden the mask is not their healer anymore. Oh, get the vaccine. The vaccine is my healer. And people run to and fro all over because of new information that comes out according to whatever surfaces through the media. Through this whole thing, our stance has not changed one time. Why? Because the word of God has been our solid foundation the whole time. Amen. It's not that it changes. We don't get tossed to and fro. The more you know the word, the more you know what you're standing on. The solid ground that you're standing on. And you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret what everybody else says. Because you know why you stand what you stand for. Which is my point number one concerning an adulthood in, in your spiritual walk. And a spiritual adult is someone that takes ownership of their, of their spiritual growth. They take ownership of their spiritual growth. What does that mean? 
If you remember the ten virgins, the parable of the ten virgins in the Bible, there were five that kept their oil lamps, they put oil in them, and they kept oil in them. When, when Jesus Christ came back, when the husband came back for his, for his bride, and those five had the oil ready, they were there, they were ready to go with him. But then there were five, they did not keep oil in their lamp. And they went to those other five virgins and said, here, share your oil, give us some oil. And they said, no, you got to go get your own. You got to go buy it because we can't just give you ours and then us be run out of oil when, when the bridegroom comes. You got to go get your own oil. What's that a representation of? It's a representation of the, your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You filling yourself up with the Holy Spirit. A mature Christian is not depending upon the one Sunday they come to church. If even that, many times people don't come at all. They come to church, they frequent the church, you know, three Sundays out of the year, and they say that that's good enough and they're a Christian and that they're not, they're not feeding themselves spiritually. How are they growing into a mature Christian? The thing is, one Sunday a week's not even enough. This is just where we congregate. This is where we come and encourage one another. But your spiritual growth, guess what, should be every day. You should be in the Word every day. You should be communing with the Holy Spirit every day. This is part of our Christian walk. This is part of relying on the Holy Spirit to show you things out of His Word. When you read, pray, Holy Spirit, show me. Reveal your Word to me today. Show me wisdom from your Word. Give me insight as I read your Word today. Speak to me today. Lead me. Guide me into paths of righteousness. So as we're reading His Word, this is part of our communion. It's not just a Bible story. It's about Him communing with us, Him speaking to our spirit. It's, it's growing yourself. So that's the first one, taking ownership of your spiritual growth. Not looking to um, a teacher, a life group leader, a pastor. Uh, yes, that's good. That's there to help you and to continue your growth, to give you insight and to give you wisdom. But that cannot be your only dosage through the week. You would not sit down and say, well, it's Sunday. I'm going to eat a really big meal today, and then I'm just going to go without food the rest of the week. You wouldn't do that to yourself. Because what would happen physically? You'd lose a lot of weight, which may be great for, for a little bit of time. But then you're not looking good. But then after a while, you're going to be looking very weak. <laughs> you're going to be losing strength, and your bones are going to start showing. <laughs> and that's what can happen spiritually if you're, not, if you're not taking things spiritually into your system. You'll start getting weak spiritually. And when the enemy comes and tries to pull you off track, what's going to happen? You're, you're going to feel your resistance growing less and less and it, it will show in your life so take ownership of your spiritual growth and, and don't esteem worldly things esteem the word of God in spiritual things that is a huge one you know the, even when um, Moses it says in Hebrews that, that Moses did not esteem the things of the world, but instead he was looking at the other Hebrew children, the, the Israelites, because that was his people. You know, he was brought up in Pharaoh's in Pharaoh's court. He was taught the principles of, of the high court. He was taught how to be royalty. He had it made. 
You know, he had it made. He was set up to be in a, a high official of the land. But he looked at his people and he said, I don't want them to be mistreated. He esteemed that more than he did the royal court and the royal way of life and the comfort and all of that. And he went out and he got a new mission. You know, he, he, he tried to, to help a guy. He ended up killing him. And then the Pharaoh's uh, coming after him because he killed a man. And so then he goes out into the desert for 40 years. And God ends up calling him to call his people out of Egypt. But he esteemed the things of God instead of esteeming the things of the world. And there's many people that will do that very thing. They esteem the things of the world more. Oh, well... You know, I'm going to take this job, and I'm going to move to this place, and I know there's no Holy Spirit-filled church there, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to, it, it pays better. It pays better there. I'm just, I'm going to make this life decision and move, and move my family. And the thing is, I was reading uh, one of Kenneth Hagin's books today, and he was in the same situation. It was during the Depression. And this guy was given this opportunity to move uh, a few states away, more money at the job, and this is in the middle of depression. So you got to understand, like people are just barely getting by. So uh, a job is a huge thing, uh, increase in pay and all of that. And, and Kenneth Hagin looked at him and said, what, what church is there that you're going to go to? What Holy Spirit-filled church is there? And he's like, uh, I don't think there's any. And he was like, well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I am going to tell you to pray about it because... I know that when you first came to this church that you attend, that your son had health issues, and then he was healed there. Your wife had issues. She was also healed. You had no money, and you went to this church, and things turned around for you, and then, and then you had a job. And he said, you're going to turn your back on that and go take this job and wonder what's going to happen over the next two years and what kind of situation you're going to be in two years later. So people make decisions based upon carnality, based upon chasing worldly things because they think it's going to set them up better, but they forget about what the Holy Spirit does in messages just like this, just like on Sunday morning when the Holy Spirit falls and someone gets prayer, someone gets vision, someone gets a word spoken to them, someone gets healed, whatever it is, and it, it put them in a, in a better place, but they're going to make a decision chasing after worldly things, it's not a good idea. So uh, an adult, a spiritual adult, will look at that and say, I'm going to make sure that I put spiritual things first. What else? A spiritual adult will take ownership of their relationships. They'll take ownership of their relationships. What does that mean? They'll take ownership of, of their, their marriage, their children. They'll discipline their children in the ways of the Lord. They'll love their wife, their husband, the way that they're supposed to. They'll be honest. They'll have integrity with their with their friendships and with their relationships in their in their work environment. They'll be honest. They will show up. They will be dependable. They'll, they'll be everything that they need to be in their relationships. Honoring God and putting Him first and all of the ethics, all the integrity that goes with that, they will be a a, replic a replication of who God is in the relationship. Um, they'll confront when they need to confront. You know, if you have a church full of people that are grumbling with each other and disgruntled and won't, won't talk things out, 
That's a problem. That only lasts for so long. That's why, you know, I, I say this a lot. Like, if there's an issue, go talk to the person that you're having an issue with. If it's Even if it's in your own home, talk it out. I'm not saying fight it out. I'm not saying duke it out. I'm saying talk it out. <laughs> Big difference. Don't be throwing punches and throwing skillets across the room. Talk it out. If you need to apologize, then apologize. If you need to, if you need to say I'm sorry, if you need to discuss an issue and find a, a, a place where you're both agreeing on something, and it may not always be, oh yeah, we're 100% both agreeing, but it, it may be a compromise, as long as you're not compromising God's word. You understand? But it may be a compromise because this is this is important to them, so I'm going to do this, even though I don't necessarily feel like it, or I don't see the importance of it, but it's important to them. Whatever it is, like work in your relationship. Take ownership of your relationships. Number three, take ownership of your decisions. Take ownership of your decisions. Know why you're making the choices that you're making. Just like I said earlier, when I said an infant is tossed to and fro, they don't know, they, they just follow. They follow people, they follow teachings, they follow, they, they, can, they can follow uh, this thing over here, but in their spirit they may not, you know, they know, like it's not right, or I didn't really feel right about that, but you know, that's how everybody else was going. That's, what, that's how everybody else voted. That's the direction everybody else was going, so I just did it. Like, know why you're standing on what you're standing on. Just like I said, there shouldn't be a shifting every time. You know, we saw a lot of shifts with everything, uh, you know, during, during this big change that happened here in America and across the world. There was a lot of shifts that happened, and I'm not pinpointing any. I'm just saying, what happened is is it it shook a lot of people's faith. It shook a lot of people in what they truly believed and what they stood on. And I understand that a lot of people had to make decisions for for their their home church and all of that. And I'm not faulting them, but what I am saying is that it shook a lot of uh, foundational things where people didn't know exactly what they stood on. They didn't know exactly uh, what they believed in. You know, they were here and then they were there, and then they're here and then the media's and then, then they're over there. So know why you stand where you stand on things. Get in the Word of God. Understand why you stand, you know, in certain things spiritually. Amen. Uh, also, in the area of taking ownership of decisions, admit your own faults and weaknesses. Like. Don't try to think that you're a superhero in every area. Like, admit when you're wrong. Admit, you know, your weaknesses. Not everybody is perfect in every area. I have weaknesses in, in areas. I have strengths in areas, just like everyone in here does. That's the way God made us. He didn't make one person competent in every single area. And that's okay. But don't be like, oh, you know, yeah, I can do this and I can do that and I can do this and that and this and that. And I, I, you know, I wasn't wrong. I did, just like what I said with the kid, they're always trying to blame someone else. Be accountable and know, like, it's all right. Like, I know I'm not the greatest in this, in this area. Uh, I'll do it, but I, you know, I'm the, I know I'm not the best 
choice. I mean, even when we went to Hana, we had conversations. We knew we were not the first pick to, to be pastoring. We knew that. We knew it in our spirit. But we were available. And God chooses who's available and who's willing. Not always who's the best equipped. Not always the, the, the one that has everything figured out. And not always the one that's going to be uh, looked at as the best choice. You know, you look at David. He was the, the last one on the, in, the, in line. You know, Samuel comes and he looks and he's like, surely it's got to be this one. He looks like a king, you know, the firstborn. He's got the look. He's, you know, he's the firstborn. Surely that's it. You know, and, and it's just like he goes down the line and the Holy Spirit's going, nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. And he and he finally gets to the last one, and he's like, "Is nope, this isn't it either. Do you have any more sons? Well, yeah, there's one more out in the field, but uh, he's watching the sheep. Like, you know, he, he's last choice. Like, I didn't even bother bringing him in. Like, he's not it. Sammy said, we're not setting down until you bring him in. So they bring David in. He's like, this is it. Boom. This is it. This is the one. The most unlikely. You, you know how they do that thing in, in uh, high school, the most likely to succeed, the most likely for this, the most likely for that? Well, God many times goes with the most unlikely. So that should make you feel better if you had any doubts about yourself. The most unlikely God will choose because they're not dependent upon themselves. They're not dependent upon their looks. They're not dependent upon their status. They're not dependent upon their resources. They're not dependent upon their education. They're not dependent upon everything that they know. They're dependent upon the Holy Spirit and they'll follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So God is choosing a heart. He's not choosing an academic. He's not choosing uh, someone that's got everything figured out. He's choosing a heart. Yes. So that's why I've been preaching so much about heart lately because it's about heart. It's about how we live with our heart, not with our brains, not with our status, not with our looks, not with our money. It's about heart. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And the last one, take ownership of possessions. Take ownership of your possessions. What does that mean? Whatever you possess, give it to the Lord. Amen. It's not yours. You are a servant. You, you are a steward of God's things. So don't, don't try to be like the two-year-old that says, mine, 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 mine. Mine, that's mine. You can't have it. Be a good steward. That means with your resources. That means if God tells you to give, you give. Amen. If, if, if God tells you to serve, you serve with your energy. Yeah. Give, you know, that's a possession too. Your time is a possession. Your, your servitude is a possession. It's something that only you have that you can give. No one else can determine that for you. I mean, you can obligate yourself and then you can serve with a bad attitude, but it's not going to count because it's going to burn up. The Bible says that that will burn up in the, in the last days and you'll come through the fire barely but that what you did will be burnt up and it won't count for anything so our attitude what we have learned we should share your knowledge you know if you've learned something spiritually 
then share that. Don't just keep that to yourself. If you have come to a place where the Lord is saying, I want you to lead others, I want you to have a, a group that you disciple, then be obedient. Don't say, I can't do that, Lord. Don't say, I'm not good enough. Don't say, that. you know, how many times people said, Lord, I'm not good enough. Why would you choose me? I stutter. I do this. I do that. I don't have it figured out. I'm the last man on the totem pole. I'm the weakest of the clan. I'm the last one in the family. I'm the last born. I'm the least educated. You know, God says that I'm looking for a heart. And if I've freely given to yeah. you, then freely give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freely give back to others. Yeah, you may not have it all, but what you have, freely give. Yeah, because it's about multiplication. It's about giving what he's given you. It's not about him giving to you and then you go and, and store it up in your little pantry in your closet and you, you lock it up and say, look at all the stuff I just stored up. Look at all the good stuff. No, it's about giving back to others and growing others and multiplying. Amen. And the last point I want to make with that, when you take ownership of your possessions and you share what you've learned and you share what you have and what he's given to you, also know when not to share. Now I know that sounds like what? <laughs> but listen, this is important. This has to do with discernment. Because the Bible says, don't cast your pearl before the swine. Because the swine will trample it up, and then they'll take you. So there are times, and especially with women, because women can have a soft heart. And have a, a heart that wants to give so often. And, and they want to help, and they'll have a compassion. But God's not calling you to the world. God will call you to certain people, but he's not calling you to every single person. And there are times that the enemy can also send people into your life to try to, to mess with what he's given you or to try to derail you. And there are times when you need to put the boundaries up and you need to say no, that this is not a person I'm called to help. In fact, there have been plenty of times where I'll, I'll shift someone Pastor Brad's way. Because I know that if, if, if they start talking to me, I may not know or have the discernment of whether or not they're trying to pull my leg. So I'll say, go talk to Pastor Brad. He's the one you need to talk to. Because many times he'll have discerned something and I won't have discerned it. So I'll, I'll shift it to, and especially if it's a male. Especially if it's a male. Yeah. I'll, I'll shift it to him. Because I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm, I'm being uh, perpetrated on by a, another male or putting myself in a compromising position. So especially as a male. And, if, and even females. If there's another female that's just complaining and grumbling, complaining, grumbling. And I know there's nobody in here. I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm just saying in life. If, it, if it's soaking up all of your time and you're not getting anywhere with them, it's time to move on sometimes. Yeah. you got to find somebody that wants to learn, that's desiring to learn. Don't think that you're called to every single person. You're called to the ones that God leads you to, but make sure that you're being led and it's not you being led by, by uh, feelings 
or compassion. And compassion is good, but understand that the Lord needs you to serve in certain areas, but, but the enemy can also bring people into your life that can derail that. Okay? So let's finish up just with that verse where it says in, in Hebrews 5, uh, 13, it says, anyone who lives on milk still being an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness or is, not in, or is inexperienced with the word of God, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use, that's habitual use, habitual use, use over and over and over. That means they're putting the word of God. That's why this, accept the challenge. That has to do with the word of God. Because I'm allowing the word to transform me. When I hear the word, I'm allowing it to, to mold me. To I'm, I become impressionable to the word of God. I become moldable to the word of God. And it changes me. And, it, and if you will allow that habitually, that means every day. Every day. I'm daily allowing the word to get in me. I'm reading it. And let me say this. Sometimes you may sit down and read the word. And you may feel like I didn't get some major revelation today. I, I didn't feel like I got something today. But you're still getting it in your spirit. Your spirit man is receiving the word of God. There are times that that word will come up out of your spirit when you need it. It may not have meant something to you right now. But you're putting it in there for use later. You're putting it in there for a time that's needed. So don't think that it's a waste of time just because something didn't pop out to you that day. You're being diligent with the word of God by constant use. It says you've trained yourself to distinguish or to discern between good and evil. That's what the word of God, it trains us. Because if you look back one chapter, in chapter 4, verse 12, this is one many of you have heard. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God is living. It is active. It penetrates. It divides between what? Soul and spirit. That means our thoughts, where our thoughts may take us, and then where our spirit is trying to take us. It will divide that. It's not, it's not exactly explainable. It's something where the word of God can pop out. The word of God can, can be preached into your spirit. And for whatever reason, you feel led to go this way, but your brain's telling you to go this way. Yeah. But it's like, it's divide. that's what the word of God does. It divides between soul and spirit. Why? To give you discernment. All of this has to do with discernment. A spiritual adult has to have discernment. A child does not have discernment. They'll make principles out of, like I said earlier, one scripture and not, and not be able to discern the context of it. So understand discernment is so important, but it all comes from where? The word of God. The word of God is what equips us. It's what trains us. It's what gives us the, the understanding, the division between soul and spirit. If we don't have the word of God, yes, we can be led by the spirit. But understand, that can only go on for so long at such a, a um, rate of, 
what is that? What, what's what I'm trying to say? Um, it's not going to have a high percentage rate because you're going to get misled by feeling sometimes. But if you know the Word of God, many times the Word of God will discern something and, and it'll just be like, bam, there's the Word of God. You, need, you, you had that already stored in your spirit. You didn't need to be led some other way because that's always solid. It's always solid. So get the Word of God in you so that you know because it will come up and it will teach you it will guide you it will train you it will give you discernment and it will show you the paths to go on the holy spirit will show you on the things that are in the word of god specific things for your life amen, amen. okay so if you're close with the person beside you and you're not fighting right now you can look at them and say Grow up. Grow up. But really, God wants us to grow up spiritually and not be um, not be in a position where we're we're always dependent upon someone someone to show us and, and those things are good. Like I said, you need both. You need both. But you want to be able to operate and, and to, to ward a lot of these things off by understanding the Word of God and understanding the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's thank the, word of, or thank the Lord for His Word. Amen. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, that You've called us to grow into maturity. I thank You that You have given us... Uh, apostles and pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets, Lord, to equip us and to teach us to, to grow us into greater maturity, to grow us into, into a better likeness of you. I pray, Lord, that every person in this church will become a, even a, a leader of someone else where they will be able to help equip others. I pray, Lord, that even situations they may be dealing with now. I pray that every person in here will have the discernment to hear your voice. And not only that, but if there are things in the word of God that, that you're trying to show them, I pray, Lord, that there is a revelation that comes from your word. As they're reading it, that it pops up off the page, that it is highlighted to their spirit. Lord, as they're reading, let your word guide them like never before. And I thank you, Father, that you've given us your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit and I thank you, Father, for loving us and choosing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.